Welcome to Five Friday Feedback on the Five Guys podcast, where we recap key takeaways from our most recent episode in order to help cement the information in your mind. We'll also be providing insights to burning questions from our community members in the viewer mailbag. Remember, the Five Guys podcast is your trusted source for all things financial independence, and we're thrilled to have you here with us on this journey. So whether you're listening while commuting, at the gym, or just relaxing at home, we're here to provide you with the knowledge and inspiration you need to achieve your financial goals. The Fly Guys is a podcast dedicated to providing general information and insights on a wide range of wealth-related topics. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and guests and do not constitute personalized financial advice. The content provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for professional financial advice. Your financial situation and goals are unique, and the information provided here may not be applicable or suitable for your specific circumstances. We, the host, and the guests of the Fly Guys are not acting as your financial advisor. We are not aware of your individual financial situations, risk tolerance, or investment objectives. Any decisions or actions you take based on the information provided on this podcast are your own and made at your own risk. I may be a financial advisor, but I am not your financial advisor. And now that the lawyers are happy, let's get started. It's gonna take a. I might, I might, I might just take another hit. I might just, just keep, keep that, that up there. there. Keep that there, just to stay sharp. That was peppermint. Okay, guys, peppermint. Yeah, sure it was. Oops. Peppermint organic essential oils. Okay. Yeah, sure. So tell me about your week. What did you do this week? I haven't seen you in a little bit. What did I do? I don't, I don't know. It's all blur because of the peppermint. It's all, it's all blur because of the peppermint. No, one thing I want to do mm-hmm. next week or sometime is I want to get you a crock pot. I want to get you a crock pot and get you in the game. I have a crock pot. We're halfway there. Yeah, I have a crock pot. I just don't know how to, I mean, I just don't really know how to use it. Yeah, I mean, if you open up my pantry, I have crock pot, rice cooker, air fryer. I, I have all of them. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about getting rid of all of them and just buying the Ninja Foodie so I can have all of them in one. Oh, well, which Ninja Foodie, though? There's multiple? Please. There's so many. Okay, there's one at Costco right now that I saw has is like 30% off. So That's rather nice. than like $300, it's like yeah. 270 or something yeah. like that. Is, think, is that the one that's like a pressure cooker? Yeah, and it also has like a smoker component and like all these, I don't know. As Nin- if. Ninja's getting good. Good. Oh, I love my Ninja Air Fryer. They're ridiculous. Dude. I love my Ninja Air Fryer. They're a crazy company. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get this uh, this one where it's like, it's a griddle. Mm-hmm. It's also an air fryer. A griddle air fryer. How big is it? Like, because griddles need to be relatively it's, large. It, it's, it's, pre- it's like yay big. Because they're bigger than your laptop. Yay big. It's, it's, it's sizable. So what I'm thinking, I'm like, so it's a griddle. It's an air fryer. It has like built-in temperature, like sticks. Uh, and it does like another thing. It might smoke too. I'm not sure. Okay. But it's cool. It's cool. It's hundred bucks. Really? Hundred dollars. That's super cheap. No, yeah, the one, the one at Costco is really cheap too. Yeah. So yeah. I, mean, I think it'd be worth it to like clear two shelves in my pantry. Yeah. Uh, of useless things. Yeah. But then I just have to find someone because I don't obviously obviously I have everything. So does it make really good like financial sense? I don't really know. Yeah. But I also do want to buy another air fryer because currently whenever I make chicken wings and I want to make other things, I have to like. First, finish off making that. You need the dual one. I do. I need. I just need more. The one that I, I have in my house. Oh, you have that one. Oh, the two. The. That's what I'm saying. If I get a Ninja Foodie and I keep the air fryer, then I have an extra air fryer, which I was already going to buy, yeah. and my other air fryer, and then it can also meet multiple things and getting rid of all the stuff on my shelf. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I've saw, I've been recently seeing some stuff on TikTok where people have been renovating their pantry, uh-huh. and they'll put plugs in the pantry. And set it up to where you don't have to bring the air fryer from the pantry to the kitchen. Oh, but it's going to smell inside the pantry. But then it won't smell up the house. It's not the air fryer that smells that bad. But I don't. I just feel like if that was the case, it's, it's more of an excuse for someone to sit inside the pantry on their phone. It's a fancy <laughs> and pantry. Like, and like hide. 
Dude, I'm telling you, you give me chicken wings in a pantry, probably won't come out. My old house used to have a, my, this pantry in this house, has, it's like a closet that you walk mm. inside, but our old one was like a long closet with like a Harry Potter style room inside there, mm. and like attached to the kitchen. Nice. Yeah, so that was pretty good. So I had storage and pantry all inside the kitchen, which was pretty cool. It was underneath the stairs. And a hiding spot. And a hiding spot, yeah. It's pretty good. A panic room. Panic room with snacks. What yeah, panic, yeah. What do you need? Yeah, yeah. You, you do your worst, criminal. <laughs> I have chips for They'll days. They'll never find me. Oh, I love it. I love it. Welcome back, though. Welcome back to the Five Guys Five Friday Feedback. Um, today we're going to be talking about what we talked about on Monday, which was a actual two-parter for investing made simple. On uh, that one, I think we actually did the most actionable tip that we've ever done. Uh, I really hope that you guys have done it. If you haven't, please go back and listen to that. Uh, but what it was is the week prior, we told you to open up a brokerage account or mm-hmm. IRA. And this week, it was invest any amount of money, whatever. I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's $2, $3, but invest something that way you can add to your identity that I am an investor. And then you can also show yourself that it's not as scary as you think it is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's jump right into it though. Yeah, let's jump right, jump into, right it. So, into it. We th- have the five rules yeah, the, that we talked about. Well, let's talk about the things that we, we talked about last time. So oh, first off, yeah. we're the five guys rules like you just talked about, the different stages of investing in your lifetime, yeah. uh, investment strategies, mm-hmm. we talked about ETFs, yeah. and then do I even need a financial advisor? Yeah. Sometimes you know. Sometimes, Sometimes you know. You know. Sometimes. Segment one, five rules for long-term investing. Yeah. So simple. F- five simple rules. Five five very simple rules made here by the five guys. Number one is the market always goes up. Yeah. Over the long term. On the long term, it does. What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. It probably won't go up tomorrow. I don't know. Good. It could go up. It could 50-50 shot. It's really a, a flip of the tails. But I can tell you on a long-term horizon, the market does go up. Like I told you before, go ahead and if you're on your phone, look up a chart of the S&P 500. If you look at that chart on a day, it's all over the place. It's up and down, up and down. But if you go out to a year, you'll see that it's up and to the right. Go out five years, up to the right. Ten years, up and to the right. If you go all the way out to basically from inception, which would be like 120 years, you'll see it looks like a perfect like line graph up and to the right. Yep. At like a 45 degree angle. Yeah, and market corrections are inevitable, but it goes up. They are inevitable, but again, they're short term. So mm-hmm. if you look on a long term perspective, it's going to continue to go up. While we might have daily vicissitudes, that's okay, which actually puts us into our next rule, which is market corrections are inevitable and unpredictable. Indeed. 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 So no matter what, you might watch a bunch of financial news and, and everyone on there has every single pun and telling you exactly what the market's going to do. And you can find five people that are going to say the market's going to go down and five people saying the market's going to go up. Yeah. Everyone is just doing, everyone's just throwing out whatever they think is going to happen. No one knows. Yeah. No one and, really knows. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, you could you could be on the 50% that's right. Mm-hmm. Or you could be on the 50% that's wrong. But I don't know, everyone's only going to focus on the times they were right. Yeah. If you make enough predictions, yep. eventually you're going to be right. You're going to be right half the time. Yeah, at least, if especially if you're just sticking to it. That's what you call a perma bears. Perma bears are people that are constantly saying the market's going to go down, and then there's perma bulls. Perma bulls saying the markets are always going to go up. And for the most time, the perma bulls are always right. The markets are going up. But when the perma bears are right, that one time out of every few years, yeah. then they can be like, yes, I told you. I I'm told so you. smart. Don't focus on the other three years when I was telling you about it. But right now, I am the best. Uh, just the worst type of person. Just the worst. 
We all know someone like that. We always do. Uh, but that's yeah. the hard thing about finance, right? Is that so many people think like, oh, well, these financial people, they must they must be taken to some special finance school where they're taught wizardry and yeah. you know how to do all these other things. That's the reason they're paid so much. But it's not really that difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we don't focus on what the market's going to do. We can't control that. We focus on what we can control. We can focus on how much money we make, how much money we spend, which brings us to our third point. No one can consistently time the market. I'm a financial advisor. I've gone through all the training. I never got my wizardry license. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. I I was waiting for it the entire time I was in class. I'm like, eventually they're going to give me the tea leaves and I'm going to be able to do it. (laughs) What was the other thing in Harry Potter where they see the tea leaves and then the kid is all like, I see a werewolf or something like that in there? I only know of the hat where they're like... Oh, the, the salting hat? Culting hat? We're gonna piss sorting some, hat. We're gonna, pi- we're gonna piss some people off. With it's this sorting one. hat. That's what it is. I've never seen Harry Potter. What? I've never seen it. The books are good. I read the books. I like the books. Have you seen Star Wars? Oh uh, yeah, you know Star Wars. Yeah, I was gonna Dude, say. have you seen that? Wall? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> hard to remember. I'm a goldfish. Anyway, usually like if someone hasn't seen Star Wars, it's because they've watched Harry Potter oh, no, or watched, vice versa. I've watched everything. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big nerd. And then big number four, nerd. pay less attention can be beneficial once you actually understand investing. Just like we talked about a second ago, watching mm-hmm. pundits, watching all these people, all you're doing is just bringing noise into your mind. You need to be very careful or set a gatekeeper at what you allow into your mind because whatever you digest too much of begins to permeate your thoughts. Yeah, you don't want to panic. No, you don't want to panic. You don't want to sell because when there's blood in the streets, if you're that person who's just chill as a cucumber, you're just like, I'm good, I'm fine. You're going to be really, really well. And you're actually going to set yourself up for an opportunity to buy more when the market is on a Black Friday sale. Yeah. And when you say sale, when the market takes a dip or a correction, mm-hmm. the price of it goes down. That's a sale. That's a sale, just like at Target. If they put 50% off on everything, everyone's running inside there trying to steal as much as they can. But when the stock market does it, everyone goes, oh, no, 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 no. Take everything out. Let me sell yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as buy, buy, high, or buy low, sell high. That sounds well in theory, and yeah. it sounds great. But without, without rear thought, future thought, to be able to look back hindsight's at it, 2020. you can't tell. Yeah, hindsight's, hindsight's 2020. 2020. That's that's basically it. Yeah. yeah. So rule number five: avoid panicking during market teardowns. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, no one knows what the future holds, but we do know that on a long-term horizon, just based off history, it's going to continue to go up. Stage two, stage. Or, uh, segment two. Yeah. Segment two with stages, stages of, of investing. investing. There we yeah. go, there we go. So there's two different stages. Uh, number one is growth, and the second one is distribution or preservation of capital. So mm-hmm. when you're growing, that's when you're trying to grow your nest egg as much as you possibly want. So that's you know our younger crowd, the people that we kind of gear our, our podcast to. Yeah. So when we're in there, what kind of things are we looking to buy? Are we trying to buy bonds when we're in the growth phase, Dom? Probably not. I, I wouldn't we can, so. we can be a little bit more risky when we're younger because mm-hmm. we have the time horizon to make up for it. Yeah, especially if you're maybe investing inside of a qualified account like an IRA, uh, like a Roth or a traditional because you do have that long-term time horizon. Say you're 25, 30 years old, you legitimately can't touch that money till you're 59 and a half without taking a penalty. Thank so you. you definitely have a long-term time horizon there. Long time. You know, you can take the money if you really, really need it, but I definitely don't recommend it. And if you do, you're also going to get penalized 10% and it's going to get added to your highest marginal tax bracket. We never want to be there. No. Don't want to be there. Yeah, and then the other phase is the wealth distribution phase when you've actually reached retirement and now people are trying to take risk off the table. So maybe at that point, it might be worth actually looking into buying some bonds. Do you remember what the difference is between bonds and equities? Like what is an equity and what is a bond? Uh, A bond, so an equity is like stock in a company. Mm -hmm. An equity or a bond is kind of like something you buy from like the government, right? So uh, 
uh, equity or equities would be ownership stake in a company Correct. or something like that. A bond is a loan to a government entity, okay. an organization, yeah. um, a municipality, saying mm-hmm. that I am giving you money and you will pay me back plus interest at a set, at a set date. Perfect. Yep. Is it kind of like, it's similar to like a CD? Yeah, similar, it's similar. Similar in concept? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it's similar in, a, like a CD player. Like, <laughs> not a compact disc. Have you ever seen, uh, you ever watched The Office? A little bit. So there's a scene in The Office where they finally like figure out that like Michael is just terrible at finances. And he's all like, he's like, I purchased, he's like, don't worry, I have, I have great investments. He's like, I have so many CDs. And then Oscar, the accountant's like, okay, like where, where, are, your, where are your CDs held? And he goes, uh, in the back of my Pontiac, I have two <laughs> books of CDs, um, two large books that are inside of a large magazine. And then Oscar has to tell him like, that's not what a CD uh, is. CD stands uh. for Certificate of Deposit at a bank. And he goes, I bought CDs that I didn't even like. I bought music I didn't even like. <laughs> Think that these would appreciate. Oh man, that's rough. If someone takes away that buying a CD is not the same as buying a certificate of deposit, that then this podcast is worth it. Oh my word. Yeah, but as you do move into the wealth preservation stage, that's where we're trying to start to take risk off the table, um, you know, and then maybe even look at produ- getting investments that produce income to you. Um, so next, we're going to lay out some of our investment strategies. The investment strategies that we're going to be gearing towards are for people in the growth phase of the growth stage of their life, yep. not in the preservation stage. The preservation stage needs to be taken a bit more cautiously, and everyone's going to be different on that. I really can't make any general information as to what's going to be best for you. But for people with a long-term growth horizon, that's what we're going to talk about right now. Right. So after that, we introduced the concept of the index fund for mirroring, for mirroring market performance. Yeah. Simple enough. The index fund is the easiest way to get in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, it gives an explanation because it's 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 basically the key for marketing an index. Like an index is the market itself. It's, it's just it's multiple a, companies in one index. In one fund. Yep. One so fund. you get a basket. Yeah. Think of you walk through walk through your grocery store and you see oh there's Apple, there's Amazon. There's Microsoft, there's Honeywell, there's all these companies. You throw it onto your basket, mm-hmm. you have all these individual stocks now inside of your shopping cart. That is the index fund. Interesting. God, I love the fruit references. <laughs> I love the fruit references there. I was like, he starts off with the apple. I was like, oh, he's going to go to like orange. He goes to Amazon. I was like, I don't know that fruit. Yeah, I don't know that fruit. I don't, I don't know, know how fruit. many other companies there are that make that are, that are based off of no, no, I don't think Honeywell was a good one. No, yeah. In Honeywell. a way. In Honeywell a good way. Good one. Yeah, but I can't think of anymore. And then when we talked about the the differences or the advantages of index funds, which are mm-hmm. low fees and tax advantages. Definitely. Another big thing is huge levels of diversification mm-hmm. by only purchasing one fund. And after that, we talked about what the S and P five hundred is, what the Dow Jones is, and what the Nasdaq is. So when people hear people complaining about it or pundits on TV, they actually know what the heck is going on. Yeah. Like, oh, the S and P is five hundred of the largest companies in America. The mm-hmm. Dow Jones is 30 of the largest companies across different sectors. And now they can have an understanding as to what's going on a little bit. Yeah. But then most importantly, we emphasize the need for staying the course and understanding that risk, reward, and fees. But we need to make sure we have that long-term time horizon. Because just because you buy an index fund, Chris and Dom says it's going to go up. I don't know if it's going to go up tomorrow. No. But I can definitely tell you it will go up over a long enough time horizon, over years and years and years. And just think of the magic penny idea. On day one, you only have a penny. Day two, two pennies. Day three, four pennies. Boy, you took a really bad deal had I told you you could add a million dollars from day one. But at day 27, you would have 600 and 
$71,000, which you still wouldn't make as much as the million, but from day 27, day 28, 20, 29, day 30, that adds you up to $5.4 million through the power of compound interest. So again, long-term time horizon there. And the longer the time horizon, the more you get to grow. Yeah, definitely. We also talked about ETFs. Yeah, we introduced the concept of ETFs. We kind of show the difference between ETFs and index funds. A lot of people think they're exactly the same thing, and in many ways they are. But mm -hmm. we did talk about the structural differences for how they are different. We talked about um, how ETFs often have zero minimum. You can automatically just get straight into it with as little as a dollar, where a lot of index funds, since they are mutual funds that are a little bit they're passively managed, but you have to purchase in at higher mm -hmm. ranges, are somewhere between like $100 to maybe even ten to even $100,000 to get into some mutual funds or some index funds. You know, we always talked about the tax efficiency, and then I talked about the structure of how ETFs are able to buy and sell at any time, um, where a mutual fund can only be closed when the net asset value is reached at the end of the day. So you can only buy or sell at the end of the day. And ETFs, you can trade throughout the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not that you should be trading in and out of the day, but Probably sometimes not. I like having that optionality of ETFs. But if you come down to the other side of the ledger and you say, no, I think or I think index funds are better for me, mm -hmm. that's totally cool. They both, they both work and they're both going to get you where you want to be. Again, we're focusing more on the habit than the specific know-how. Mm -hmm. And you prefer ETFs. I do prefer ETFs. Uh, for me, I just grew up, I mean, when I came into the market, ETFs were kind of blown up, so that's what I learned. But my mentors, some of the people that I learned from, they're used to index funds, and they prefer index funds because that's what they were used to. You know, we're all shaped by the world we grew up in, the systems, the habits. Definitely. So nothing's right or wrong. It's whatever you want to do, as long as you can stick to it. But again, mm -hmm. instead of focusing on, like I say this is like a $5 question, right? Of like, yeah. should it be an ETF or an index? Tiny question. Tiny question. You know, million dollar question is how much money am I making? Am I spending less than that? That's a yeah. million dollar question. Million dollar, yeah. And we also talked about, do you even need a financial advisor? You know, we talked about fiduciary roles. Mm -hmm. You can be a fiduciary, but not a complete fiduciary. Yeah, you can have a dual registration is what it's called. We also yeah. talked about broker dealers and how they work under um, a suitability standard, not mm -hmm. under a best interest standard. So I talked about how if someone has investment option A, if there's a broker and have the investment option B, investment option A might be better for you, the client, but investment option B gives me, the broker, a bigger kickback. You can see that unfortunately, just due to incentives, a lot of people are gonna take investment option B, whatever is best for them. Um, you know, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner mm -hmm. at Berkshire yeah. Hathaway, he always says, when in doubt, follow someone's incentives. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty solid. So if you're trying to figure out why someone's doing something, look at what it's incentivizing them. Interesting. You can come to a good one. So I've done that myself. I've been able to see advisors and then you're like, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. And then you follow the money. Follow like, the money. It's, oh, oh, that makes sense. You're getting paid. Yeah. Gotcha. Quick question before we get on to the next point. Have you or would you ever be interested in going in to one of the Berkshire Hathaway meetings. Oh, 100%. In Omaha? Well, 100%. Yeah. I have never gone. I wouldn't mind going. I'm, I'm fortunate. I think we only have like a, one more, maybe one or two more. I don't know. He might not live us all. I don't know. Yeah, he might. Just off of McDonald's and Coca Diet Coke. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But yeah, I would, I would love to go. I do typically, I tune in every year um, virtually. Yeah, of course. And I watch all of that. But yeah, going there and getting to like be a part of the community would be really big because um, Warren Buffett, honestly, like, I started out with value investing. That's how mm -hmm. I got into investing. So his teacher, Benjamin Graham, that's who like I learned through, through books, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then I studied value investing. That is what Warren Buffett is known for, that long-term buy and hold and buying a company for less than it's worth and then holding it for the long-term. Everything that we're talking about is Warren Buffett 
type of investing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's simple. It's not complex. It is. Actually, think about this. Warren Buffett, greatest investor in the world, in his um, estate, when he passes away and his wife ex takes all of her money, he wants it to be 90% in S&P 500 uh, into an index fund and the other 10% into bonds. Hmm. That's, what he, or, that's what he wants. And he's the most successful investor of all time. Mm -hmm. Probably. Well, on a long, due to due to his, uh, it's not it's not that he's the greatest investor due to his knowledge, but he has been in it for the longest. He has had, had the most time for the mm -hmm. compounding, like the magic penny idea. Mm -hmm. He's at day 28, 29, day 30. Dude, he and, is, and he's, now he's in the deep territory. Good lord. And we also talked about so fee only advisors versus mm -hmm. hourly consultants and how those are fiduciaries. Yeah. Um, and you also want to ask, like, are you a fiduciary? The answer is yes. You ask, are you a fiduciary in every aspect of your business? Because yeah. you want to make sure that you're working with someone who has your best interest at heart for the long haul. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and then we talked a little bit about um, outperformance of working with an advisor. Mm -hmm. Any advisor that tells you, like, I can guarantee you I'm going to outperform the market every single year. That's concerning. What, 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 was, what was in, I mean, out of the five guys, five rules, no one could consistently time the market. That was rule number three. So when someone says stuff like that, I usually say, like, no, they can't. You know, unless they know something far more than I can, but no one knows what the future holds. I guarantee you of that. Um, but we did talk about that a good advisor should be focusing on your money, on your money mindset, yeah. and focusing on those things. An advisor can make their fee worth it by keeping you in the market at one time that you would have normally sold out. Because everyone likes to say, "Oh, I can stomach a thirty percent drawdown. I can stomach a fifty percent drawdown." It's a lot of money. From my professional experience, people could not. But Many people who work with me know that, hey, I don't even have to worry about this stuff because Chris has it. Yeah. He's got it handled so that they're able to focus on their lives. They're able to focus on being doctors, teachers, uh, mechanics, and they don't have to worry about the money stuff and they just kind of keep it hands off because like we talked about with Fidelity, uh, that Fidelity study, unfortunately, most active managers of like individuals who are trying to manage their money have a annual compounded rate of 2%. So rather than buying low and selling high, they're buying high and selling low. And then the people that actually did the best, according to the Fidelity study, were people who either forgot that they had a, who didn't know, or forgot that they had a, forgot, a, forgot, forgot that they had an account, or they were dead. Yeah. Dead people are pretty good at uh, investing. Dead people are great investors because they, whatever they had, they just don't touch it. We could beat that. Yeah, <laughs> we could try. We could beat that. Yeah. Then again, just make sure that you're working with someone who has your best interest at heart. But the most important thing, honestly, is just making sure you find someone that you trust and that you like. Because if you don't like them, if you don't trust them, um, when stuff does hit the fans, and eventually it will, you're not going to believe them and you're not going to want to continue to work with them. No. You know, and that's that's the reason that... Um, there's actually a, a pretty scary statistic, Dom. Um, most advisors right now are starting to phase out and they're trying to, they're trying to retire. So a lot of retirees in the next two to three years are going to be basically holding the bag uh, with their money because advisors are all leaving. Same with CPAs, mm -hmm. uh, so tax people. Yeah. Um, that's why I work with a lot of retirees, and I think retirees, they like working with me because they know, hey, he's only in his 30s. He's going to be around for as long as I'm around, plus he'll probably be able to help my kids out too when they inherit the money. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. uh, we also encourage the listeners to open account. Oh, and we, invest. Yeah, that was for our homework. Yeah. The, well, the homework the week prior was to open the account. Last week was to actually invest, invest something. Yeah. And did you guys do that? Did you do that? Did you, did you, you have invest? you have two more days before the next podcast comes out. Do I have to throw throw something at you? I will. 
So get on that. Again, we, we get nothing from this. If yeah. you invest money in Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, remember I started with Vanguard, they were my first custodian. I use Schwab now for my clients. Fidelity is really good. There's so many different ones. You can go to Google, you can search what's the best custodian to invest my money. Shoot, if you want to even open a Robinhood account, I would prefer that you not, but if you want to open a Robinhood account and just start investing. We get nothing for you doing any of this. We have nothing to gain, but you have the world to gain. You get to add first off to your identity that you are an investor. And look at that, you own a piece of a company. If you buy an index fund or, a, or an ETF, you mm -hmm. own five, maybe if you buy like S&P 500's one, you own 500 companies. You could say like, look at me, I'm a business owner now. Exactly, I like it. Uh, five. Are we getting the meal, the the viewer mailbag? Um, let's are we see. there yet? Yeah, I think so. Are we there yet? All right, are we there? Yet? Yeah, I think we are there. Yeah, but just remember, it's always about that long term perspective, guys. Like, we are not trying to sell you anything. No, no. We long term perspective. Stuff. I don't know what the market's going to do tomorrow, but I can say that with a high reasonable high reasonable certainty, the market will go up in the long term. Definitely. With that being said, let's get into our Fi Friday feedback viewer mailbag. This one's this one's a long one. Is it? I, it's a long one. Okay, cool. It's, it's, I appreciate the uh, breakdown of your entire existence. Well, I, I like that. And I like that. When people like give that. us more information, I could be more specific. On the last few mm -hmm. ones, people gave us like limited information. Yeah. I can only work in generalities because I don't know everything. Exactly. And obviously, that's the important part when you work with an advisor, someone that's willing to give you the time to really look at all the nuances of life because life is messy. Life is messy. Talking about life, howdy, Fi guys. Just jumping right into it. Go for it. Howdy, five guys. I've got a I got a different one for you. I am a 40-year-old male. I've been immersed in the tech industry since my teenage years, primarily offering tech support for individuals and small business. I've operated independently, but I'm starting to feel burned out and bored from the constant tech support work. Fair. I'm honestly just feeling that work and life are a little bit bland and I'm struggling to see the point of all of it. Hmm. Although I've established a long-lasting connection, uh, long-lasting connections, I'm reluctant to quit and seek traditional employment because I prefer the independence. I've been able to set my own rates, maintain work-life boundaries, and even travel periodically for a week or so. Cool. It's pretty solid. Despite these advantages, I find myself continually returning to my home office, which has become somewhat monotonous. Uh, what complicates <clears throat> what complicates matters is that objectively, I have little to complain about. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, I've never ventured into cryptocurrency, sticking to stocks, and tra transitioning to indexes. Indexes uh, about a decade ago. Okay, that's good. So he's diversified. Mm -hmm. Considering my situation, I'm contemplating the idea of coasting and exploring a remote work. Currently, I'm about 90% of my work is remote with the remaining 10% involving face-to-face -face interactions with clients, typically on a nine-to-five schedule, Monday through Friday. However, I still need to be at my desk at home. I don't have any family commitments, such as children or spouse, and I'm not particularly interested in starting a family. I've recently ended a two-year relationship with my girlfriend who returned to her home country after losing her job in the U.S. Wow, this guy gets really specific. He's very, <laughs> very specific. I love it. Uh, she preferred a more hands... <clears throat> she preferred... I'm telling you, I gotta, I gotta take a sip. I gotta take a sip. I'll take a sip after. She preferred a more home-centered lifestyle. In the past, I've dated more active individuals, which provided some distractions from the tech support routine. Fair enough. Uh, I'm generally in good health and have a roommate that rents from me at my home, contributing $1,600 a month. 
I live in a high cost of living area, specifically Denver. My annual expenses add up to about forty to fifty thousand, covering living expenses, health insurance, food. When accounting for travel expenses, an additional ten to fifteen k per year. My total expenditures are around sixty to sixty-five k. I also enjoy an annual ski trip and exploring national parks. Great.、Uh, my tech support work generates one hundred and thirty k annually. A business I've built over the last twenty-three years, making it challenging to recreate. I own a condo valued at five hundred and fifty thousand with no mortgage, and have fifty-five thousand in liquid cash, yielding five percent interest in my checking and savings accounts. Nice. I con—I、uh, consistently pay off my credit card balances each month and have no debt. That's great. My regular brokerage account holds nine hundred thirty-eight thousand invested in VTI, while my HSA has ten thousand in VTI. What's VTI? First off, I'm so excited. VTI is the ETF version of Vanguard's total stock market index.、Oh, okay, there we go. My Roth account holds four hundred eighty-one thousand in said VTI. Thanks to my self-employment enabling me to contribute higher amounts over the years, and my traditional IRA has a hundred k invested in VTI. In total, including the condo, my assets amount to two point one million dollars. It's pretty good. Good for this guy. <clears throat> Very good. I'm considering parting ways with a client who causes a lot of stress, but they contribute twenty k to my one hundred thirty k income. My main concern is that I've never had to worry about money as I live well below my means and don't indulge in luxury expenses. I'm hesitant to disrupt my financial equilibrium if I decide to make a dramatic change and to alleviate myself of the routine and feeling stuck. Can I com- can I comfortably take a break, not think about finance, and potentially lead a nomadic lifestyle for me for a period of time? You know, seeking happiness without the undue financial stress. I believe my clients will stay loyal as long as I remain responsive. But I'm worried that a gradual、uh, attrition of my clients' base, if I'm away for extended periods. Okay, so he's worried about losing clients、mm-hmm. over an extended period. Gotcha.、Yeah. Uh, your thoughts and advice would be greatly appreciated. By the way, loving the podcast from a dude. Looking to go ahead to live a life and explore, but worried about his financial ability to endure. <laughs> I love it. I love my favorite parts, dude. Killing it. All right, man. You're 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 straight up killing it. Like killing it. that is first off, Dom. Like we're midway through the five crash course right now, and this guy has basically done everything that he's needed to do since he's probably a teenager. Yeah. Like he's he's lived under his means. He's made he's made money. He spent less money than he made. He invested、yeah. the difference. Um, by all objective measures, he is doing really, really well.、Mm-hmm. But it seems like th- th- this is not a, a money issue. No. And you know, this is actually something I want to talk to to you about specifically, man.、Um, I'm not a doctor in any way, shape, or form, but I did study psychology in college.、Mm-hmm. Um, and boredom, or the technical term is anhedonia, can be a symptom of depression. So what I would do, I think the best investment that you could have is invest in a therapist. <laughs> Um, I think you should probably invest in a therapist because it sounds like the boredom is has an underlying effect of other things that's going on in your life.、Um, you know, I know that you you focus a lot on the money portion of it, saying like, oh, well, do I have enough money? You definitely have enough money. Let's think about this. You put that you have healthy boundaries with work,、mm-hmm. and it doesn't place any restrictions on how you live your life. So, I'm not seeing how 
not working will make you less bored in any way, shape, or form. I think it makes you more bored. Yeah, you can already travel. You can already do everything that you want. You say you're already traveling right now and you still feel this level of boredom. So I think that therapy might be a really good way to help you dig down and identify what's the emotions, the actions, the potential harmful habits or life patterns that's going on in your life right now that's making you feel this way. Because what I'm reading here, this is not a money issue. I think money is the thing that's making you feel that it's an issue. You think that money is holding you back, but it's not. Because even if you took that 20%, you took that one client out, you're still making dramatically more than you're spending. Um, so this isn't a money issue. So I can tell you from, from my own experience, like having a life partner, having my wife, I don't know where I would be without that. I'm not telling you you have to go and get married in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I can say that unequivocally, it, it can, it has helped me a lot. Um, so, you know, you don't have to find a wife or anything. You don't have to find anything like that, but it definitely a good thing to think about. But at the same time, I would also start looking for ways to find things where you're either daily or weekly going out and finding things that you really enjoy. Yeah. Honestly, you can go to the gym, start running, uh, play an instrument. I don't know. I have a good, said, some guitars he said, over there. He said he liked uh, going out in nature. That's hikes good. and whatnot. Yeah, go on hikes. Go, go on and do things. Um, but I think it's really important that we find things that have long-term personal growth, something that has meaningful purpose um, that you can kind of like grind and grow with. Yeah. On the back of my mug here, I have something called embrace the suck. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, embrace the suck. It means that you, you embrace the hard things in life. The hard things in life are the things that are going to push you and propel you more. Um, for me, I, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I know before, before I was in jiu-jitsu, I've always been a guy who was in sports. And then after I left wrestling after college, I decided, you know, no more sports. I'm just going to focus on doing other things. Um, but going back and going back in jiu-jitsu, it gave me something meaningful to go and, you know, constantly drive at. Embracing when you suck, seeing yourself get better and better and better. Um, what I'm thinking is you've reached a point in your life that your job, it's basically on autopilot. Yeah. You know, you don't, you're not working hard. You're not trying to strive to get better in your work because you're already so darn good at it. You don't have to anymore. So what we need to do is create a place that we can continue to strive more because humans without meaning, and that's what I'm really getting is that, you know, you're for, you, you said something that I find very, very scary in the beginning of it, of you don't see the point of, of all of it. Yeah. Like, what's the point of life? I'm not really the person to define what the point of life is, but we give meaning to life by constantly striving um, to be better. So go out and find a hobby, man. You said that you're interested in nature. You said that you're interested in skiing. Um, maybe think about making some sort of a, like a, a hiking club around the neighborhood in Denver. Everyone likes to hike. Go and take up bouldering, dude. You can hike up to, uh, to the flats and start doing that. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome for you. Or, or just join a group. Yeah, or just join a group. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most important thing is that you find somewhere where you can put your hobbies into, but most importantly, around people. Yeah. Because if you're just walking in nature by yourself, like, is that great? Yeah, but it sounds like what you really need is to put yourself in a place where you're going to be around people a lot so you can start to create meaningful connections. Definitely. Yeah, and ob obviously, like, socialization is the big word that we need here. Yeah. So therapy, socialization, and my final tip would be um, I think helping others is the best way to help yourself. We've talked about that and the best ways to spend money. Um the, the number three was spending money on others yeah. to give them a better life. So I'd, rather, I'd maybe recommend either volunteering at a local food bank. Um, you could do Habitat for Humanity. Um, you've, you've figured out finances. Like you figured out the behavioral part, portion of it. Yeah. Maybe you can mentor underprivileged youth. That's something I've done in the past. And honestly, I'm honestly thinking about doing it again because you know, being able to, uh, from where I started not knowing money, 
to being where I am now, I think it's amazing to be able to give back to the next generation of people. And I can promise you by helping others, you're gonna be helping yourself far more. Helping others is actually kind of selfish yeah. because you get so much more out of it than you put in. It's true. But I know that you said that like you're, you're really focused on the money portion of it, like can you retire? So let's talk about that too, man. Um, so you said you have just under one point, or I did the math, you have under 1.6 million dollars in assets, not including your house. Now, you are house hacking, so since you have someone living in the house bringing you $1,600 a month, but let's say that's not even part of the equation. So you have $1.6 million in assets that are ready to invest, and majority of that is in non-qualified accounts, your traditional account, mm -hmm. um, or inside your non-qualified account that you had said you had $938,000 in your regular brokerage account. So you can access that at any time penalty-free, unlike your IRAs. So if we take the higher limit of what you say you spend a year, $65,000, and we times that by 25, you reach, it reaches just over $1.6 million to be able to call yourself financially independent by the Trinity study and the 4% rule of thumb. You have $1.6 million mm -hmm. and you need $1.6 million to call yourself financially independent. So that means that at the age of 40, you could basically retire, never work a day again in your life, which if you to retire has to expire, I doubt if you stopped working right now in your current job that you would never make money again. I'm sure you would continue to do that purpose. But let's take this to another level. You also say you have $1,600 a month coming in from rent from your house. That's $19,000 a year. If we take the $65,000 you say you spent and minus the $19,000 from your rent, that only gives us $46,000. That's what your actual cost of living is. We times that by 25, that gives you $1.1 million to say that you're financially independent. You have two times that. Mm -hmm. This is not a money problem. Money is, you're holding yourself back by saying, oh, I don't want to be destitute or anything like that. This has nothing to do with money. This has to do with you're in a rut and you need to get out of it by starting to do things that are hard for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know like uh, Chris was telling me before the pod, he's always trying to challenge himself and really just continue to protect that fire that's inside that says, I, I, I love challenging myself. That's why you go to jujitsu damn near every day. And that's why you're getting into the cold plunge and getting getting into the cold plunge. Getting into the cold getting plunge. Getting into it. Uh, I'm building the cold building plunge. Building the cold plunge. I'm building the cold plunge. Swimming just yet. But not yet. Um, have you ever done cold plunge stuff? Mm -hmm. You did the cold shower stuff. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, just days. here in Arizona, you can only get it so cold. You can only get it so cold. It's like, oh, I, I, I do cold showers. It's like, we recently, I re recently, I went on a big camping trip, whitewater rafting with some of my friends, and afterwards went to the Korean spa because you know you do like three days of yeah. rafting and you you smell real bad. Yeah. Um, so we went to the Korean spa in Irvine, and um, they have a cold plunge in there, mm -hmm. and like the guys are like, oh, this is terrible. And I just run and I jump inside. Yeah. And like for me, it's not that bad. I, I've been doing this for a while. Dude, for me, it's and my blood is thin, very thin. Living in this desert all my life. Very thin. Not good with cold. Yeah. Not good with cold. But just like I said, like sometimes just jumping in is better than mm -hmm. kind of waiting your way into it. Why 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 extend the pain? Yeah. Just yeah. get your head under there. God, same with same with investing, right? People can sit there and agonize over every single little detail rather than just starting. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. You know, one thing that I love about this, this and this is so poignant to the conversation we're having. Mm. Um this guy's just done everything right. He's paying off his credit cards in full every month. He's living below his means. And he said that all of his money he has $1.6 million all in VTI. What VTI is Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. That's their, that's their ETF version, so it has a lower expense ratio. 
on the pod and what we just talked about is there's a difference between ETFs and indexes. So the index version of that is VTSAX. So he could have invested in VTSAX uh, while you were reading. VTSAX, remember I told you I prefer ETFs because they don't have um, a minimum fee. So VTSAX has a minimum investment of $3,000. Mm-hmm. Their expense ratio is 0. 0.04, hmm. so tiny, 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 four bibs um, in financial terms. I'm sure that VTI is about the same, but with zero. Oh, yeah, here it is. Also available in ETF starting at $1. Hmm. Nice. So just like this guy who has invested since he was in high school, I'm assuming is when he started his company, over the last, maybe he started at 18, 17 or 18, over 22 years of just diligently saving and retiring, he is financially independent. And it looks like he never, he said he never got into crypto. He never got into any of that stuff. He just did the easy, boring thing, focused on the habits. And now he is where he is. Yeah. And he's in a great spot. But again, you can't deprive your life for super long because then you start running into other things. You also need to flex your spending muscles too. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. flexed his saving muscles for so long. And now he's reached a point that he is financially independent and he doesn't know how to let go of that. So again, dude, invest in therapy. You have enough money to do it. You can retire right now, but again, I don't think that has anything to do with what's going on here. No. You know, you have you have the autonomy to go and work wherever you want, but start investing in meaningful relationships with people. Doesn't have to be romantic, nothing like that. But get out there, start meeting people, start doing something, pursuing something. I would recommend jujitsu. I recommend jujitsu to everyone. You do, you do. That's true. He's trying to get me in jujitsu. Yeah. He's like, oh, what happened to Dom next week? Uh, Chris killed him in jiu-jitsu. I recommend jiu-jitsu. If that's not for you, that's totally cool. Sometimes sweating on people and like rubbing up on people, that's kind of weird rubbing for people. Rubbing up on dudes. I get that. Um, it is kind of weird, but you kind of get past it. If not, just like join a gym, join a hiking club. I think a hiking club for you would be good. You also said that you like to ski. So maybe, and you're in Denver, dude. Like you have, you have yeah. so many different things you there's, do. There's snow in Denver. But you you put yourself outside of your comfort zones in order to learn finance and do what you need. Now you need to put yourself out of comfort zones and put yourself into a situation where you can make more friends and pursue something that you are growing with and you can embrace the suck. Absolutely. With that being said, let's get on to win of the week. Yeah. Win of the week. Win of the week. Win of the week. All righty. Win of the week. Uh, Chris, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first this time. Let's do it. Um, so my win of the week is actually here in the other room um, in the podcast studio, uh, here in the podcast room. My grandmother is chilling in her own room. Uh, and the reason for that is she's currently going through pancreatic cancer. And normally she lives in California. Um, but we have a huge center out in Scottsdale where they do a full array of different type of medicine. And the reason I'm bringing this up is my win of the week is you know, when it comes back down to financial independence, had I never pursued financial independence, when my grandmother called me and said, Miho, can I come and stay with you while I'm going through my cancer treatment? If I was still working a normal nine to five job, um, I never pursued financial independence, I would probably have to say, no, no grandma, you can't come and stay with me because I'm busy working and I can't help to also take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but due to the things that I put in place a long, long time ago, just like our viewer mailbag guy, um, I'm able to be able to take a step back from work in order to help my family, you know, to make them, make them whole and give them a place to stay while going through this, you know, terrible ordeal. Um, so again, when you pursue financial independence, you never know when it's going to pay off. Um, you know, it's just like doing good work or being a good person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it may never pay off, but oftentimes it will. And the world happens to reward people that work hard and do good. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What's your one of the week, Tom? Uh, my one of the week is that dropshipping course that I was taking uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I found out that they have a discount inside of it to where 
I can mitigate some of the startup costs with my actual business. So I can get my, I can build my website out for a dollar a month rather than like, you know, it gets up to like $72 a month or higher or lower, but uh, that's just to build the website. You know, that's not even for uh, running ads and I got an ad discount too. So it's like, if I spend a hundred, I get a hundred back. Cool. Yeah. And it goes up to 1500, which is, how do they do that? So you have to, you have to spend, so it's like you deposit money into the account and then they'll credit you extra ad spend on, for, this is for TikTok. This okay. is for TikTok ad. This isn't like a, it sounds like a multi-level market. No, 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 it's not, it's not, okay. it's not. It's straight, it's, it's straight with TikTok, straight with TikTok. Uh, but it's, it's nice cause I get to test ads and really jump into this new arena that I've never done before mm-hmm. and just try it out. Yeah, and sometimes you're going to take that risk away, mm-hmm. which is what allows you to actually go in harder. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. So that's my win of the week. I'm excited to continue to hear your win of the week as it continues to go down. Um, but yeah, guys, remember what we talked about in this one, investing made simple. A lot of it just comes down to long-term time horizon and staying widely diversified over a basket of things. We introduced uh, the concept of ETFs where you can purchase basically one share, just like our guy from Win of the Week did. He just had VTI for all of his accounts and look where he is over 22 years. Bingo. You know, again, it comes down to the long-term time horizon. If you were to buy a VTI like this guy did, tomorrow it might be down. Next week it might be down. But over 22 years, just like him, it's going to be up. That's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Uh, again, not specific investment advice, information, entertainment purpose yeah. only. Please listen to our disclaimers. Our lawyers were very clear that we had to say all that. Um, but guys, like, subscribe. I hope you guys are enjoying Five Feedback Friday. If you guys want to actually have your question featured on Five Feedback Friday, go to the fiveguys.com. Um, there is a feedback tab. You can write directly into there and it goes to the Five Guys email. Just so you're aware, if you are a Monzon Wealth client, I do not share these stories are not clients of mine. Two separate things. These are two very, very separate things. Um, And if you need help with your financial planning, wealth management, you can always reach out to Chris at monsonwealth.com. And please remember our fee for the show. Not going to ask you for a credit card, but if you found any value from today, if you laughed, if you liked anything we said, please share it with one friend. And with that, guys, see you in the next one. We'll see you next time. Peace. Later. This video podcast is sponsored by Monzon Wealth. The content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial advice. We do not endorse specific products or services. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests, not the podcast sponsor. It is crucial to consult with a qualified financial advisor or professional who can provide advice tailored to your specific needs before making any financial decisions, investments, or taking any other actions. If you are seeking specified help, you can reach out to Chris at monsonwealth.com.